My guest today is Peter Pykarczyk. Peter is the co-founder and CTO of DraftBit, a platform that helps teams build a React Native and Expo apps visually. He's been an entrepreneur his whole life, but still has trouble spelling the word. Peter's built and maintained projects for React Native, React Navigation, Apollo GraphQL, and now Reason ML. He strongly believes in self-reflection and meditation. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Uh, it sounds like you've got quite uh, the journey behind you and, and much of a journey still ahead, of course. And, and I'm wondering if we can touch on all of the things that you've done, especially getting towards DraftBit. Maybe give us, uh, give us an idea a bit more about uh, DraftBit, what it's all about, um, how you kind of found yourself as co-founder and CTO of the company, and then maybe some of uh, your backstory as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, like, as you mentioned, DraftBit is a tool that helps uh, teams and founders, developers build mobile apps visually, right? So you don't have to install anything on your computer. You go to a website, you scan a QR code. We use Expo, uh, you know, a React Native tool. If, if uh, you haven't heard of it, check it out. It's the best way to build apps. Uh, so you scan a QR code and you can start building. And so you can build a web app, right? We've got full like PWA support and you can also build a mobile Android and iOS app, right? I think the big differentiator between us and some of the other folks in this space, because no code seems to be like blowing up, like as of this year, I guess, uh, is uh, like we offer full source code, right? So we, we generate like uh, React Native hooks, right? We offer hooks for everything, uh, functional components. So you get all of that, right? So even if you don't want to continue building inside your app, but you can just click export code and uh, do whatever you want with that. So uh, anyway, we've been working on uh, as a team for about three years now. Uh, we, I've got my co-founder and CEO, Brian, and my co-founder and VP of engineering, Donald. Uh, Donald and I used to work together my first job out of school, and uh, we met uh, Brian along the way. Uh, so this story goes back a couple of years. Um, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur, like business minded person. I had like a blog that I ran in high school that, you know, like it was a Photoshop blog, tens of thousands of views. Uh, then I went to college and threw a bunch of like, uh, events and parties, right? Like before Big Sean was like the big deal that he is today. We brought Big Sean to U of I down, uh, University of Illinois and, uh, leaders in currency and Wiz Khalifa and we needed ticketing platforms and back then we didn't really have any of that so I just kind of like like whipped it together with like the coding knowledge that I had like that I learned and taught myself in high school uh, I was a political science major so I never thought I could really do uh, coding for a job or anything like that and then it turns out uh, one of my buddies reached out and said, you should come work at this company that I'm at, you know, and I was like, well, I don't have a degree. He's like, it doesn't matter. Like, you're better than like most of the people here. Like, we need you. So I got the job. Uh, it was great. And that's where I met Donald. Uh, Donald uh, and I started working closely together. And even though I was only there for about a year, you know, we still continued to stay in touch. Uh, throughout this entire course, though, I was doing stuff uh, outside of work as well right? Like I ran like an iPhone repair business where I would buy people's iPhones and basically uh, fix them and ship them uh, in like boxes of 10 to 20 to Russia. Cause you know, you could buy like an iPhone for like 20 or 50 bucks. This person's like, well, I got it for 200. It's two years old. So it's not worth anything. And then I would flip it and sell it for 500. So that's how I paid uh, for college. Uh, you know, I, I just had like all these like sort of like uh, get rich quick schemes, uh, you know, so that was great, right? 
Uh, but I wanted more, right? I wanted something more. I wanted to build a company. I knew how to make 10, 20, $30,000 a month, right? Uh, but I didn't know how to make, you know, 10, 20, $30 million, right? Like, um, you know, I was like 23 at the time. Money means much less to me now at the age of 30 than it did back then, right? But, uh, you know, I think there was this like deep underlying uh, sort of like uh, destiny that I was trying to figure out, right? So I started a bunch of different companies with a bunch of people, right? We're just like a ragtag group of folks that are just like, you know, they want more out of life in one way, shape or form. Um, along the way, uh, I got a job at Trunk Club, which was a uh, fashion company. Men love to look good, but hate to shop. That was the slogan uh, where I met, you know, that's where I really got like a chance to understand what engineering really was. Uh, we had a very good uh, like team, a very good boss, right? Like this team was small. There's a, a huge opportunity to learn, right? And he knew, like my boss at the time really knew that I wanted to take building companies full time, right? Like even, like even on the side at Trunk Club, I was making more money uh, than I was at the job, right? Because I just like had all these businesses. Uh, but the thing was like, what I didn't understand was like real engineering practices and like what it meant to be a team. Cause it was always just me. Right. So that was like one of the reasons why I had the job to begin with. Right. Like I, I could build anything, right. Like I didn't, you know, need it, but I needed to learn more. Right. So he went from being like my boss to my mentor, to like a friend and still sort of mentor, right. Like to this day, um, he made a bunch of intros for me to other like CTOs and co-founders, right? And that's when I met my co-founder, Brian. Brian was part of the OKCupid okay team. Uh, he sold, him and Sam Yagen sold OKCupid okay to Match.com, moved to Chicago, started Techstars Chicago and Math Ventures and all these great things. Uh, Brian was ready to move on from that uh, and like start a new business. So that's when we started working together. And we built, the first thing we built was a personal CRM. Everyone goes through this phase of wanting to build some sort of personal CRM because networking is everything. Uh, we, you know, moved to San Francisco, went through YC, made a lot of like great connections. I got to drive the creator of Gmail's car and, you know, talk to Sam Altman about Yeezys and like, you know, like my hype beast life. Uh, and it was a fun experience, right? Uh, then, you know, during YC, you know, uh, we had uh, a lot of like friends in common that happened to be going through that batch, like uh, Amjad Masad from REPL.IT, right? Like awesome resource. Like, you know, I knew him from like the, the, the React Core uh, sort of community, right? And he was like, dude, what are you doing working on this personal CRM? Uh, nobody gives a fuck about it. Uh, not exactly verbatim, right? Like, uh, but you know, some version of that, like just really inspiring us to like, you know, pursue something else, right? He's like, you spend all this time in React Native and Expo, right? Like, you know, all these things, everyone in this batch comes to you and asks you like React Native questions, you know, like you tweet about DevTools, you should be working on DevTools, you know? So mm -hmm. at the time we were just like, yeah, maybe you're right, but you know, like we got to follow this through, right? Like anything else, you can't just, you know, like pivot like, uh, you know, uh, randomly. So what we ended up doing is, uh, uh, you know, like, going through this existential crisis of like, man, we're hearing this not just from him anymore, from a bunch of other people, right? Like maybe we should consider something else, right? So we, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of months, here we are working on V1 of DraftBit, right? Like, can we build this like mobile app in the browser, 
right? And like still have it work nicely on the devices or whatever. And, you know, it turned out that uh, it did work, right? And it worked really well. So we started pursuing that. And that's, that's sort of like the story of DraftBit. Uh, <laughs> That's cool. So yeah, there's quite a few twists and turns on that story. And uh, it, it sounds like you are at this point now where you, you've accrued like a ton of experience doing um, all sorts of things development wise and uh, entrepreneurially as well. I mean, it sounds to me like you're, you've had this entrepreneurial spirit for, for a long time. Um, tell me more about like that kind of need. I think you, you put it uh, as in the, before the interview, you were saying you've had this need to be doing entrepreneurial things. Uh, tell me more about that. Like, was that always there when you were a kid? Were you doing like, you know, lemonade stands and, and flipping stuff uh, where you could find a, a spot to do so? W w has it always been there? And, and, and tell me more about your kind of drive to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it all started when I was like 12 years old, where my best friend's dad uh, showed us the computer, or maybe it's 10. I don't know what it was. And he's like, oh, like, you know, you can make this thing called a website. And I was like, wow, how do I make one? Right? Like, I was super into Legos. And then I was like, I need to know, I need to learn how to make websites, right? So uh, torn to Dreamweaver, because that's what you did back then, right? I was like 10 years old, uh, and just started teaching myself. And then my dad, uh, my dad uh, was a landlord uh, in like this like low income area and uh, people would sometimes pay rent with like random goods, you know, like he was just like, yeah, you know, like, like that's fine. And so I, what I would do is I, I would take those things and sell them on eBay. Mm -hmm. And uh, after a while I was like, man, what if I sold websites and logos on eBay? And so here I am at the age of like 12 years old, like putting up like what was consulting, right? Like listing it on eBay, like website, $500, logo, 75 bucks. And like real life people were buying these packages and I was building their stuff for them. You know, like it didn't really work out because people wanted to have phone calls, talk about it. Right. You know, like so on and so forth, like learn more. But I was like this 12 year old, right. Like super immature. Right. Uh, you know, I had this squeaky voice. People were asking me, what school did you go to? Or did you graduate from? How did you know this? And I just didn't know how to respond to those questions at the time. Right. So yeah. like, what started off as like a great experience, sort of like, I was like, well, you know, like maybe I can't do that, right? And like, what did I know? You know, like I had uh, two foreign parents that, you know, loved me very much, but didn't really understand the internet or, you know, anything else. So like, I didn't even tell them that I was doing this. So I had no one to go to for advice, right? Because I was like, oh shit, you know, if my mom found out that I'm making all this money selling logos, you know, on the internet, she would, you know, like freak out. So, <laughs> so I was just like, well, I'm just gonna move on to the next thing. And so, yeah, that desire has always been there, you know, like I've always just liked the idea of doing something on my own, right? Like before it was definitely motiv like motivated by money, right? I was like younger, like the motivations were much more superficial, right? But like as the older I get, the more I realize it's not about the money, it's about like the freedom, you know? Mm -hmm. Even now I find myself like DraftBit's doing really well and I'm paying myself a, you know, a great salary, right? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, like I want to do this or that, but it's like, well, I, I got that, you know what I mean? I got mm -hmm. what I wanted and now I have to like focus on building this business. You know what I, right, you know what right. I mean? Like, it's like a, every once in a while you sort of linger your thoughts, right? Like, well, what if I did this? What if I did that? It's like, well, I'm already doing that. I'm building mm -hmm. a business with coworkers, with a team, right? Like it's, it's less about just like me solo doing something and more about inspiring, uh, you know, and like, uh, dealing with the chaos of what a startup could be like, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, it's super interesting. Like, there is this tendency I think that most of us have that you know we we have this desired uh, goal that we want to get to, and once we get there, it like the 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 whole feeling of like oh we got there doesn't really happen like we might imagine it does, and so now we're like, well, what else do we do? Where do we go from here? And and maybe that's just something that helps us kind of uh, to to drive on and do other things. Maybe we're just uh, naturally not supposed to be super satisfied with any given place that we're at. Um, but but yeah, I've I've felt that that kind of thing. As well. Um, something that comes to mind is like the scenario that you're in now where your co-founder CTO, um, I, I guess traditionally looks a bit different than if you're doing some kind of like solopreneur kind of lifestyle uh, business, you might say. Um, is it, what's your preference, I guess, uh, given that you've done both kinds of things, you've dabbled in both, uh, would you say that you'd prefer to be in a large team, uh, maybe not a large team, but like, you know, any size team, uh, versus being on your own as a solo entrepreneur and, and what are some of the trade-offs that you've, uh, you've seen yourself, uh, given those two, those two scenarios? Yeah. I, uh, I think the more I get into this, the more I love the team stuff, um, I, I think being a solopreneur is great, but everything falls on your shoulders, right? Like you are constantly working. The lows are lows and the highs are highs, right? And like, you can always hire people and, you know, like sort of like scale yourself to do other people, but at the end of the day, it falls on you, right? Uh, whereas on a team, right? Like I can, I can bow out, right? At any time and the company will continue running, right? Like at least that's, that's how I've like, you know, uh, done it by design, right? Like before, like I would take a vacation, right? Like I would travel somewhere, but I wasn't really enjoying life. You know, I was just working, right? And like, sometimes that's great. Like sometimes you've got money coming in, customers coming in, right? All these things are, wow, wow, wow. All these things that you think are amazing, right? Like all these things that you think are amazing, but you're fucking miserable, right? Like, man, I was like at the height of like being a solopreneur, I was probably making 45 grand a month, right? Uh, and it's like, man, like I'm falling out of my dreams, making all this money, right? Uh, but I was so fucking miserable. I wanted to throw my computer out the window. And obviously that's not always the case. Some people can really pull it off and do a good job of managing that lifestyle. But for me, you know, like I love being able to lean on my, you know, uh, co-founders. I love being able to lean on my team, right? Like I love being able to take a step back, you know, and like travel, and vacation without having to worry about the success of the business. You know, uh, that is the best part of, you know, like building a team. That's really cool. And, and in that situation where you were miserable and you were getting frustrated, et cetera, was that like, was it, was it overwork? Was it like too much happening? Um, et cetera, or, or was it something else there? Yeah, it was overwork, too much happening, right? Like that's like the fallacy of whatever success may mean to you. Uh, even now, right? Like I've definitely developed uh, friends, you know, even in our engineering community that are founders, right? Like we sort of like text each other and like, you know, some of the solopreneurs are like, man, like it's fucking hard, you know, just me right now. Like the customer, like, you know, like we're blowing up, we're making 35 grand per month. Uh, but I've got like literally like 150 customers per day that I have to talk to on top of the yeah. features, on top of hiring, on top of all these things, they all fall on my shoulders, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, like mm -hmm. I totally understand. Uh, and it's hard, right? Like, so it's sort of like, you know, like uh, I think those things are great, but going from an engineer to a business person is a very, very like jarring experience if you don't have like even myself, like as a, you know, consider myself an entrepreneur, a business driven person, right? Like 
at the end of the day, like some of those skills, right, weren't there. Those leadership skills weren't there. Those scaling skills were not there, right? So it does fall on your shoulders because an engineer, you always want to go and fix those things. You want to make them better, right? Like, but the mindset shift is, okay, I need to take a step back despite the fires that are taking place and focus on hiring, focus on finding folks that can help me do this, right? So, Uh, like I said, like even, even now, like I'm, I'm like, actually it's been a couple of people that are just like, I don't know what to do, you know? And like, just like, just being my best to be that person to like, let them vent, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, toss ideas around because it is hard. It is hard to be a solopreneur, especially, you know, coming from the engineering world where like you're used to being the crafts a person as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I've heard that a lot before. It's this mindset shift that you've got to go through when it comes to working on a team, especially being the leader of an organization. Um, For those out there who might be in kind of a transition period themselves, maybe going from solo entrepreneur stuff to developing a team, and and maybe maybe they've got the chops for engineering and they they've got the interest in business, but they need to develop those business skills. What would you recommend? Like, what are some things to be mindful of? Some things to uh, focus on as you're kind of building up that bus- business acumen, that that uh, need to be the leader of an organization to lead teams. What what would you tell people? I would say it's okay to let go. You know, like it's okay to let go of responsibilities. It's okay if you hire somebody that's a better leader than you, there's nothing wrong with them, you know, like sort of taking over one part of the business or the other, right? Like, don't forget you are still the founder, right? Like somebody else, like you want to hire better people, right? In every, in every aspect, right? Like there are many, many stories of successful uh, founders in the early stage who get replaced by more successful CEOs uh, in the later stages because the business is growing, right? So, there that's a gradual right like you know you build a business over five to seven years now you're with a hundred million dollars and you need to find a better cto or ceo right like but that could totally be the same case you know in the early days too right there are things that you might be better at like you might be the decision maker right like you got to call the shot like hey what do we do about this like that may fall on your you know like uh plate to figure out right but i think it's okay to um you know let go of responsibilities right that you know, and I think with that, like, I think the big part is, um, you know, if you have like co-founders, for example, like, uh, letting go of ego, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, focus on building a good relationship. It's like, it's like your personal, like love life, right? Like you build a relationship with somebody and maybe when you first start dating, you don't know how to communicate and like you make mistakes right over the years. Like we all have been in relationships where like, Oh, you learn something, right? Uh, you know, same work, same way it works with founders. You spend as much time, if not more with your co-founders than you do with like, you know, your partner or your family, right? At least eight hours a day with your co-founders. So focus on that uh, relationship, right? Like build good bonds. You can't build a business if you feel resent towards your teammates, right? You Mm -hmm. cannot, like you can't build a business if you don't trust your coworkers, your co-founders, right? Like I think, you know, like many engineers sort of like overlook that, right? Like many engineers think it's okay. A lot of us are passive aggressive, right? But I think if you really want this to succeed, right? If you, you know, like you're thinking of a five to seven year investment, like you better invest in that, right? You better work on culture. You better work on getting along. You better work on building that trust, right? Like, and even almost like, um, 
you know, like falling in love with your co-founders, right? Not in that, not in the same sort of romantic sense, but in terms of like, I, uh, I trust, you know, I respect this person. I admire them, right? Like uh, all good feelings. So when you are in the low points, right? You know that maybe some of the d- debates that are taking place are coming from a good place, right? Like, so when you are challenging each other, it's not a negative response uh, or a reaction, right? But a positive one, like, okay, I can see where you're coming from, right? Yeah. Versus like, Fuck you, man, you know? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. What What's like, okay, so I, I think that there's a lot of stories we hear about um, co-founders where it, it didn't work or whatever and things were explosive or maybe other stories where co-founders jived really well together. I think much of the reality uh, in the real world though is that co-founders will you know work a certain way, maybe have certain spats about things and come to resolutions and stuff and ebb and flow like that. I, that that's me speculating anyway. Do you have any examples of like stuff that maybe created some kind of like um, a spat, I, I suppose, or, or some, some kind of challenge in the organization that you had to work through with the co-founders and, and maybe it's something around direction for the company or maybe it's something, whatever. Do you have, do you have any examples? Because I think there's, there's probably a lot of, uh, there's a pro- probably a lot of useful uh, stuff in there if, we, if we're able to hear examples of like what it actually looks like in the real world rather than just these stories that we hear around the web. Do you have any, any examples in that direction? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Every day, right? Like, who are our users? What are we building? What do we prioritize? Right? Like the simplest things that you think, you know, like, oh, maybe it's just me. Like, I'll tell you right now, like, I know a lot of founders, especially in the engineering space, right? Even uh, Prisma, right? Back when it was GraphPool, uh, right? Like, uh, you think back to, you know, like, uh, any sort of like relationship with the founders, everyone's always got a different perspective, right? Like, who are we building this for? What's it going to look like? When do we call it quits, right? Uh, So like literally any decision, even something small can turn into something big if you don't work through it and communicate, right? So for example, for DraftBit, it's always been, you know, like who is our target audience? Is it developers? Is it designers? Is it product managers? Is it no code, low code folks, right? It's all over the place, right? and so like that obviously is like, you know, like we have a, a non-engineering uh, uh, founder, right? Who's like, well, non-engineering people. Then you've got the engineering founder who wants engineering things, right? And so uh, I think, you know, if had we not had like the love and respect for each other, right? To be able to work through that, it could have easily been the end of draft book, right? I think, I think most businesses, right, uh, die because of founder disputes, 90%, not because of your competitors, right? Like not because of, you know, anything, but the fact that you couldn't work through uh, like some sort of a problem. Right. Okay. Interesting. And, and so what are some ways, like, I mean, is there anything as, as maybe like uh, simple as it might sound, but like, is there anything that you found to be a good sort of way to relate well to your founders to get along well? Is there anything practical that, that you do to, to sort of like make sure that tensions are eased and you're, you're, you know, working well together? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the number one thing, something that I used to think was corny, uh, was assuming positive intent, right? Like mm-hmm. when you are in a dispute, 
like it is so easy, at least for me personally, to go to a negative place, right? Like this person's insulting me. This person disagrees with me, right? As humans, if somebody disagrees with you, no matter what, how you feel, you always feel a little defensive, right? Like, you know, an animal may fight back, but as humans, we've developed the ability to control those emotions, right? So like, you know, wait a half a second longer before you know, like responding, right? Mm -hmm. The goal is to respond and not to react, right? Like if somebody right. says something that you disagree with, do not react to, you know, what they're saying in a defensive manner, but take a second to think about that and respond, right? And if it is so bad, right, that you know that you're about to get into a fight, right, just call it quits right there. Be like, hey, listen, I need some time to process this, right? Yeah. Like, I know that I will, you know, like, uh, you know, say the wrong things, right? Like, and I just need to step away for a little bit and think about this, right? There's nothing wrong with doing that. It's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. You have control over your emotions, right? And that's what this business is about, is being able to control your emotions and being able to put your ego and emotions aside to make the right business, to make the right business decision, right? And that right business decision may be, uh, against your personal decision yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah. so it's important to be able to step away sometimes and process something and then come back to it right yeah yeah it seems it yeah, seems to me that like a, a good mix if you will is almost like if you're able to you know have, have strong opinions and, and sort of advocate for your opinions where you feel strongly about them but but ultimately being not super emotionally attached to them so that if you if there is a decision made that doesn't align with like what you initially wanted that it, it's not gonna it's not gonna ruin you for for weeks on end so that seems to be to me to be sort of a good a good approach um that's really cool maybe what we could uh, talk about now is um some of the uh, the stuff that DraftBit is is up to i guess now and, and and aiming at in the future and and um what i'm hoping we can do is is uh give people a sense of like what it looks like to be inside a startup um as you know uh, on the leadership team as cto of an organization like draftbit and and maybe just give a sense of of um how you ideate about the future how you think about product and and like roadmap etc um and yeah i guess what that looks like so what what does it look like i, I suppose ultimately to be the cto of draftbit what do you what do you do day to day yeah um i think i spent a lot of time you know like these days like uh filling the gaps right i spent a lot of time like reviewing pull requests i spent a lot of time thinking through and working through product problems uh sometimes i spent like jump in and like code too right like i'm still coding on a regular basis right to get stuff done fixing critical bugs right like doing everything I can to support uh, the engineering team, right? Which is like uh, the engineering, I think, I believe, like even our whole team in general, we have like some of the smartest and most dedicated uh, people, right? Uh, I am lucky enough to be working with some of the smartest people I've ever worked with, right? Like, uh, and that, you know, I think a little bit of what I do too is like recruiting, right? Um, and like finding those people, right? Uh, but just like supporting them however I can, right? Like taking a step back, right? I used to make all the decisions, right? Mm -hmm. I used to write all the code. That's not the case anymore, right? Uh, well, it was always Donald and I, right? 50-50, right? Uh, you know, he, as an engineering co-founder, right? him and I would write uh, all the code together. But now 
we have a team of 13 people, right? So like, it's not, I don't contribute 50% anymore. I contribute like 5% when it comes to like code or anything else. So now what I'm doing is supporting the rest of the team, however I can, right? So when it comes to day-to-day, you know, CTO work, it's more about letting go of the reins, right? Which is sometimes uncomfortable for me, right? Like being able to say, hey, I know that y'all can figure this out, right? And like, I'm interested in hearing everyone's, you know, like opinion instead of just mine, like working on not being the loudest voice in the room, like working on, you know, like empowering other individuals to be, you know, like the greatest version of themselves, right? Or as, as the best as I can, right? Like, um, so I think that for starters, uh, I think because we have so much confidence in our team, I'm not just saying this, right? Like I do, like I've worked with a lot of great uh, teams and I've learned a lot from like very successful serial entrepreneurs that have built and sold companies, you know, that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever, right? And I think the one thing that we have been getting right is finding really great uh, dedicated folks who believe in the mission, right? So when it comes to our product roadmap, right? Like you were asking, like, how do we figure that out, right? Like everyone has the opportunity to propose what we should be working on, right? And we break that down in terms of like, what impact will this have, right? Like who's asking for this, right? Like, you know, like what problem is this solving, right? Uh, To how much effort is this going to take, right? Is this a day of work, a week of work, a month of work, right? And then just sort of like uh, rating it, right? Like prioritizing what what we should be working on, right? Everybody on the team has that opportunity to put together a proposal, right? Uh, The founders may, for example, uh, make the final call, right? Like somebody, you've always got to have a leader to make that final call, right? Uh, But everyone has a say, right? And I think it's been working really well for us. It's, we went from this, this stage where, you know, we were making most of the decisions, right? And like, we weren't always making the right ones, right? Like, uh, I think a startup raises money to uh, buy enough time to fix all their fuck ups. You know what I mean? Like every company is a different story. You're starting from scratch, right? Like, you know, Brian's got experience like building and selling companies. Like I've got, you know, a little bit of experience compared to his, right. But it's always the same story. You're starting from scratch. You've got a new team, a new product, new ideas, new landscape, right. So you have to work through those problems, right. Uh, And, you know, by raising money, you're buying time to figure that stuff out to get you to where you need to be. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and I'm curious about the the raising money bit of this. So you, if I'm not mistaken, you've gone through Y Combinator, winter 18. Is that is that when you went through uh, for DraftBit? Um, maybe let's let's chat about that a bit. So Y Combinator, um, I think most folks who are listening uh, will be familiar. Um, kind of, you know, the the most famous of, uh, would you call it a startup incubator? I guess that's, it's like, a, it's, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's where you go and for three months, I guess, in, in San Francisco and have um, some of the best uh, startup people in the world um, building into your company, basically, and giving you, uh, investing in you, uh, giving you, giving you um, tips on how to do the things you're going to do, making introductions, et cetera. Um, maybe give some, give us some stories about your experience there. What was it like to go through Y Combinator? Uh, did it kind of meet your expectations or not so much or, or more, more than you thought it would? Uh, what's your thoughts about YC? I think like anything else, it's what you make of it. You know, like some people will tell you it was horrible. Some people will tell you it's great, right? Like 
I think it's pretty obvious that if you are that unicorn, right, all eyes are on you. You will have unlimited resources, help, whatever, right? If you are 99% of the rest of the batch, right, like it's what you make the most of it, right? Like uh, if you reach out, you will get help, right? Like if you ask, like you will receive, right? And so it depends. I think the companies that continue to stay in touch and you know, stay in that community do really well, right? Because they understand when things are going bad, you don't bullshit your way through it and say, yeah, things are great. No, like you, you become vulnerable and you talk about the things that are going bad and you work through it, right? Um, and I think like, you know, people that have, you know, that have gone through YC and now who run YC are all human beings, just like the rest of us, right? And so they're there to be helpful, right? None of the founders, uh, they're like are doing it for the money per se, right? They're all, you know, like uh, Michael Seibel sold Twitch for a billion dollars, right? Like, uh, you know, like he's doing it because he wants to be helpful. So you have to go up and ask for help, right? So I think first time founders, it's an incredible resource, right? I absolutely believe that you should apply and then take advantage of it. Uh, you know, like listen to the advice that YC gives. A lot of people don't and fail right? A lot of people don't listen to the advice and fail. So that's so you can see why some folks are like, ah, you know, like, fuck YC, it doesn't do anything for me, right? It's because, you know, like, they, they don't tell you what to do. They focus on what you shouldn't do, right? Which makes a lot of sense. Uh, so you, uh, you get to know a lot of different people. Some of your batchmates end up like becoming billion dollar companies, right? Most of your batchmates die. I remember the first day of YC, Sam Altman was up on stage and he's like, uh, don't go home and celebrate. Don't go home and spend your money. Like you haven't achieved anything, like go home and work. Right. Which makes total sense. Right. Like that is the reality. Um, and you know, like a year from now, 90% of you will be dead. Right. And that's true. Right. Like with, there's not many companies left in our batch that are doing great. Right. Like Substack, for example, is in our batch and they're fucking crushing it right now. Right. Everyone's got a Substack newsletter, uh, Repelit, right. For example, absolutely crushing it. Right. Uh, and then I know there's a handful of other ones, but the rest you just don't hear about anymore. Right. Because, you know, for one way or another and like, you know, it just happens. Right. Like that's just that's just like life sometimes. Right. Like no matter uh, what happens, like things get in the way. But yeah, YC is what you make of it. I think for second and third time founders, it's also very important. Right. Because of the network. Right. I think as a second or third time founder, you understand the power of YC's network, right? You understand what you are capable of doing that giving away that portion of your company to a batch full of new companies could be very valuable, right? Like I have had friends who have gone through YC time and time again because their batchmates become their customers, right? Which is a very strategic and smart way of growing, right? So um, I, it's what you make of it, right? Like I, I think YC made a huge impact, um, you know, like what I know as a founder, right. Uh, but only because I tried to utilize that, right. Like I still stay in touch with a bunch of our batchmates, right. Like I still, uh, do the best I can to check in on Bookface and whatever. Right. But you know, yep. is that, that sort yeah. of answer that question? Absolutely. I think that's, uh, that hits the mark for what uh, people might, might anticipate, but maybe uh, wouldn't be able to put into words uh, that, you know, ultimately, like most things in life, it is what you make of, of it. Um, 
Tell me about what your recommendations would be for those who are interested in even getting in. Because I mean, you, like you said, there's, there's like 90% of the companies in a given batch will go away. Um, but getting, getting into a batch itself is, is a feat, I think, from, from what I know. Um, what's, what kind of advice would you give people who are interested in getting into YC? Um, what can they do to really make a good application and, and get noticed? Uh, I don't know. You know, like I would say, don't worry about it really, you know, focus on building your business and it'll figure itself out. Right. Like some people join, you know, like with an idea, some people join with, um, you know, like, uh, like a couple of years in, right. Like it's a, it's the numbers game, right. There's people that apply from all over, right. Like a little bit of luck, right. Like I think it's a little bit of luck. I wouldn't take it personally. I applied to YC like four or five times over the years. Right. Mm. Uh, but like, don't take it personally. If you don't get in, there's plenty of companies that, you know, like have built billion dollar businesses without going through YC, right? Like the most important thing is that you can do is like focus on your business. I can say things like follow the hype, right? You know, like, but at the same time, if you follow the hype and you don't know anything about the field that you're going in, you're not going to be successful, right? Like the most successful businesses are the ones where you've got a little bit of secret sauce, right? Like when it comes to, pharma, right? Like you've been in the industry for a while, you know, the medicine that you've been developing, right? You've been researching that for years, right? When it comes to, you know, like, uh, like an engineering product, right? Like you worked on some version of that internally at some company or on your own or an open source, right? And you understand, right? The nuances and understand, and you, you can see the edge, right? Like you can see the edge of what will make you successful that won't make anybody else successful, right? Mm-hmm. The best advice I can give to anybody is don't compete, you know? Competing is expensive, right? Like when you've got the edge, right? You've got, you know, uh, YC has a specific phrase for this called escape velocity, right? Like you were the first one, like you understood this experience, you saw the opportunity, the secret sauce is you, right? Like you've got something that nobody else knows that you're going to act on, right? You will have competitors show up overnight, right? To build a similar version of your product. We see that every single day, right? And most of them die out, but the ones that got there, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to say first, right? It's not always about being first. It's about having that deep understanding of what you're going after that will make you succeed, right? And YC looks for that a lot of the time, right? What is your secret sauce, right? Um, yeah, I would say that, you know, like, don't take it personally, just not, not everyone has to be an entrepreneur, right? Like, uh, like if you wake up one day, like, I want to give this a shot, right? And don't understand like the downsides, like the major, like financial and mental downsides that come with it. A, you don't have a job, right? Like, so that's one thing, you know, like, can you risk it? Like, can you stomach not getting a paycheck? Right. I think, I think people take that for granted. Even I, when I quit my job after being an entrepreneur my whole life and like just making money, right? Like, wow, I no longer have this paycheck coming in week to week. It took a little bit of time to, to get used to that, right? And then it's fine. You get over that. It's an easy hump to get over, but still, right? Like that is a mental hurdle. And then the mental struggle, struggle of the ups and downs that come with building a company, right? Like there are many pros and I encourage as many people who have an idea or an opportunity to pursue it, you should, right? But also understand what you're getting yourself into, you know, like, uh, like a lot of, you know, a lot of it falls on you, right? Like, and I'm not saying you can't work through it, you absolutely can. But you know, like how much 
you know, time and energy are you willing to, to give to make it happen, right? You have to want to make it happen, right? And that's stuff that you learn during YC too. So interesting. That's really cool. What's uh, what would be your secret sauce going into YC? You mentioned that you know that they they look for the secret sauce, the stuff that um, gives you an edge. Uh, what would draft it for draft it? What what was it, or what what kind of realm would that be in? Uh, you know, my React Native, uh, you know, background. I was Expo's first user, right? Like oh. I was very close to their team. Uh, you know, spent a lot of time in the React Native community in the early days, right? Like, you know, back when it was like 0.12, I think, back before React Native for Android was released, right? Like, I, I knew the ins and outs of, like, the ecosystem, you know, like, uh, Nader and I, you know, and uh, Lee and a couple others started the React Native Radio podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Like, together, like, Nader Dabbit it has, like, blown up, you know what I mean? Like, uh, he's definitely taken, uh, you know, like, he set an example and the bar for what a good developer evangelist looks like. Right. And like, yeah, I've seen totally. him on his journey. Like I, you know, I went like the more like entrepreneurial route. Like I, I used to do much more open source stuff. Right. And that really helped me uh, build, you know, the sort of, uh, you know, resume, if you will, to, to build draft bit. Right. That's like the, that was like the secret sauce, right? Like I know the ins and outs. I have these relationships, you know, like uh, I can go and text certain people and get an answer to something very specific for what's coming out in the future, or what does this look like, or how should this work, right? And that has been really helpful in, you know, like planning our future too. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, <clears throat> that's really cool. Um, well, you know, that's probably a good point to start wrapping up on. Um, before we do go, though, we should probably link people to where you can be found. And uh, a DraftBit will definitely link up, of course. So uh, is it DraftBit.com or what's the address there? Yep. It's DraftBit.com. Uh, my username or alias across everything is Peter PME. Uh, twitter.com forward slash peterpme my personal website is peterp.me and github is peterpme uh so those are the best ways to uh contact me and i'd also i also do want to point out that if you find yourself in a situation where you want to talk more right like or like you know you're interested about building something but you're not really sure you know like um i am so happy to help right like dm me on twitter send me an email peterdraftbit.com right? Like we, you know, like, uh, you know, like we're all sort of in this together, right? Like I've had a lot of people help me to get to where I am today. And the least I can do is pay it forward. And I do, you know, uh, you know, uh, you'd be surprised how many folks in the community who are all-stars engineer, all-star engineers hit me up and say, Hey, can you help me work through this? You know? Um, so like, I'm always happy to help. Right. Um, you know, and just like see what I can do to make, you know, your life a little easier. That's awesome. That's really, really great of you to put that out there. And, and certainly we'll link up all of your, uh, your um, socials, of course, DraftBit and everything, DraftBit and everything else in the show notes. Um, and yeah, uh, folks hit, hit Peter up for some questions. Um, awesome, man. Well, this has been a great chat. I appreciate you taking the time today. Um, and yeah, let's, let's keep in touch. I, hopefully we can do a round two, maybe a little bit uh, further down the road, see what's, uh, where, where DraftBit is gone. And, and uh, until then, I wish you all the success uh, and, and hope everything uh, goes well as you, you go on into, into this fall and into the new year. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Hopefully there's a little bit of value or inspiration that folks uh, pick up from this. Uh, that's always my goal. So thanks again for having me. I, I, I had such a good time. 
Thank you so much for tuning into the Entrepreneurial Coder podcast today. This has been episode 38 with Peter Pykarczyk. You can find show notes with links to all the resources that Peter mentioned at ecpodcast.io. If you would like to subscribe, you can do that at ecpodcast.io slash subscribe. And if you could leave a rating and review, that would be awesome. Check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash coderpodcast.